0: If we want to knock people on their asses, then we've got to give them a show. I'm talking like a stadium show in the clubs. The fans, they're dying for some anarchy. So let's give it to them. Welcome to the anarchy that is the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show on Twitter at NomcastPod, or you can follow me at Jokes on Drew on Twitter and Instagram. This week we take a trip back in time to early 1980s Los Angeles to witness the mega highs and catastrophic lows of the decade's most notorious rock band, Motley Crue, in their Netflix biopic, The Dirt. The film just like the book by Neil Strauss, features tons of excess. Excess excessive nudity, excessive drug use, excessive ant snorting and piss licking, all the standards that make up a band on the brink of stardom and self-destruction. The crew is played by a couple of notable names in musician-turned-actor Machine Gun Kelly, a.k.a. Colson Baker, who portrays drummer Tommy Lee, and Ewan Rion, a.k.a. Ramsey Bolton on Game of Thrones, who portrayed the crippled alien guitarist Mick Mars. Band architect Nikki Sixx is played by relative newcomer Douglas Booth from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Jupiter Ascending and troubled sexpot frontman Vince Neil is played by Daniel Weber, who you may have seen in Netflix's recently canceled Punisher series, or his portrayal of Lee Harvey Oswald in 22 63. The film is directed by Jeff Tremaine, who is known for directing all of the feature work for Johnny Knoxville and the Jackass Crew, including 2013's Bad Grandpa. To help me break this one down, I brought on the dynamic duo of longtime musician and pro wrestler Ron Zombie and longtime Motley Crue fan and comedian Johnny Benson who is also the host of the Beer Man Beer Podcast, which can be found on iTunes, CastBox, and most places you get podcasts. And of course, a big shout out to Todd Grossberg and the crew at RVP Studios in West Haven, Connecticut, for hosting the recording of this episode. Check them out if you are a podcaster or a musician in that area. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Give a listen. So you told me when I asked you to do the podcast yeah. that you're like, yeah, man, I've seen the crew live. I saw one of the craziest ones. So if you have Molly Crew stories, man, let it fly. Oh, I know yeah, you said yeah, you yeah, had yeah. one.
1: All right, 1990. What one, two, maybe? It was uh, Doctor Feelgood tour. Tommy Lee had this great drum set where he was uh, elevated on the ceiling.
0: Is it like in the movie where it was the flip around? It's a movie? different one because that okay. one was the
1: older one. He had a new one where he just would go across maybe 70 feet in the air and Okay. play the drum solo. <laughs> Until, right. Uh, <laughs> what happened next, Mr. Zombie? <laughs> well, uh, as
2: Tommy is on his riser, he proceeds to fall a good 25, 30 it feet. Was far. was wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was fine.
1: And I'm not sure where he landed, a sea of people, because I saw him fall down. Right. He kind of like... Hit some
2: people, hit the ground. Uh, Oof. He got obviously, out. show abruptly ends. Yeah, of course. And they rush them to Yale New Haven Hospital. Yeah, wow. and, uh,
1: but and they kind of teased it a little bit, like the show wasn't over. I remember right. there were people were like chanting and chanting, and they were like, "Show's not over yet. Calm down, people." But then uh, Nikki and Vince came out and said, "Sorry, yeah, you know, Tommy can't play." And right. We never got refunds or anything, so a crew, you owe us half a concert in New Damn. Haven. And you know, people
0: chase the, the ambulance. Uh, five songs, maybe. Five it was, songs.
2: It was up, up to the. The uh, drum solo, which couldn't be that far into the set, maybe right. yeah, like five, six songs. Yep. Yeah, Because yeah, it went
1: quick. It went real. Was the Bullet Boys with the opening act, I think?
2: Yeah. And there was a, this shady rope ladder going, like, I don't know, for a bunch of that Motley Crew had, I think that was done a little... Uh, Haphazardly? Yes.
0: Yeah and I was
1: dumb. I thought he was going to come out in an ambulance and they're going to play Dr. good. I thought he right. was part of the show, you know? <laughs> oh, Fair, I knew yeah. he was done. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I, I had girls I went to school with coming up to be crying, and I i thought it was hysterical right and um I, I actually got forced into going to that show because that was a time where you know i loved the first two motley Crue albums that i thought they betrayed me on the third album so i <laughs> isn't I dr can't.
0: feel good the third album I'm not fourth, fourth or, or is it the fourth Fourth. fourth. okay um, i think third in the theater of pain oh theater yeah of pain. so theater pain even in the movie how they cover it and they are dead right that's a garbage album yeah <laughs> yeah and has yeah. what just smoking Whatever, in smoking the boys' room. And I think homes. So, is Home sweet home, suite home suite, on home that suite. one? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so even then, that's, trying that's to make, not make a pretty boy. It just Pre- it
2: wasn't gonna work. Yeah. And um, so I was still a little upset with them. And uh, three girls I was friends with, one I ended up dating later on, said, "You're coming to Motley Crue with us." I said, "No, I'm not." They said, "Yes, you are. We bought you a ticket." <laughs> okay, I'm going to Motley Crue with right, you. Yeah. And when Tommy fell, I was dying I said well you won't see Lars Ulrich fall from 25 feet onto a ground because he's <laughs> right. gonna stay where he belongs yeah yeah but I, I forgave him after and I became a fan again
0: I was gonna say so you were you were a fan up until that third but had Loved you heard the first Dr. Two albums. Feel Good before the tour so were it you kinda, back again at that, I was, that point I was more apt
2: you know, I was more into that album than Theater of Pain, but I was still a little upset about Theater of Pain. I didn't right. know which way they're going to go. It, yeah, it's little sense. Girls, Girls, Girls for me to start really appreciating them again. <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah,
0: more more attuned to your lifestyle, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When did you start playing music? I was probably
2: fifteen when I started going to Nikki Nasco's Rock Guitar System in East Haven. Okay, Nikki still teaches in Brantford. Great teacher. Awesome. Um, yeah, I was about fifteen, and I. You know i didn't take it seriously at first because i just wanted to be able to play guitar i didn't want to actually have to learn how to play guitar right, I just, yeah i thought it was going to come naturally so it took a little while and then you know I, I got serious about
0: it and figured out what i was doing right and was any motley or any of the other like bands of that time in that ilk i mean it, oh, it's at 15 it was you know iron Maiden, and metallica motley crew right um anything on head ball yeah exactly because yeah. i can hear in nasty disaster is very influenced it feels oh by absolutely 80s metal Ab- so. we we think 80s metal is going on today like we didn't you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well that was me in uh fifth grade when somebody told me that the beatles broke up finally so that was like the it's same more
1: categories now where it's more heavy metals one thing hair bands yeah. is different it used to all be yeah, just yeah it was heavy metal, metal, heavy yeah. metal yeah. which you
0: know? yeah to give motley crew any credit as a person who i was born in 82 mm-hmm. so i was a little bit you know late on the con like i could probably tell you stuff maybe uh the album after dr feel good because that's more in the late late 80s i probably started to to hear stuff more and then obviously retroactively went back to it but i mean they they hit for for that time like th- they got lumped into that hair metal scene and obviously they fit the part like Stylized, but if you told me, like, yeah, poison and white snake and Cinderella, like, all these other people were like Motley Crue, I completely disagree. So it, it stinks, they got kind of lumped in mm-hmm. to a scene that just didn't seem to represent. I mean, you can even see it in the movie, like, Nicky Six wanted them to more be glam. They wanted to be, you know, punk at one point, and you can hear it on the first record. Yeah, oh, absolutely! Like they definitely had more punk influence. Hell, they certain songs on there sound more like Cheap Trick than anything like that's gonna be on on future albums of theirs. But you can also hear what Mick Mars brings to the table, of course, too, because he even said on other interviews like he brings blues influence stuff, he brings all this stuff, and he was in bands before that. That you know, he was a god to those other the guys in those bands. So, uh, you know, he can, he can do so much that I feel like if you're listening to fucking Poison or something, you're not, he brings a dynamic and, and Tommy Lee's drums, they bring a dynamic that is so much different than those other guys.
2: Livewire was the first thing I saw the first video and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah. <laughs> this guy's on fire. What's Cuz that's guy, what 81 81, but the video I probably didn't see till about 80 Two eighty-three, somewhere right. around that area, and I couldn't believe what I was watching. And then right. shortly later, the looks at like kill video. I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: well, especially till like you were saying, how old at the time? Probably around probably. Three. You know, I, for thirteen or so, oh, fourteen. God, that's yeah. <laughs> You're basically like, especially with how this movie opens. I mean, obviously ah. the videos don't match that exactly, but. They're not far off. They always had these scantily clad girls doing whatever, and obviously, like you said, you know, yeah. girls, girls, that's girls MTV kicked MTV you back played
1: in music videos. So we got to see music videos. Yeah, I I heard
2: yeah, a what an idle thing that you know, music television would play music videos. Right. You
0: know. <laughs> I heard an interview with Vince Neil where they said I think it was Home Sweet Home. They had the MTV was doing this contest where like videos would go head to head. And Home Sweet Home beat whatever it's competition so much that they took them out of rotation. Wow. They like pu- had to put limits on how much they were playing that video. And that video is not even like all the other ones where it's like, holy shit, what am I watching? But like that's just, I think, more of a concert video, isn't it? The Home Sweet so, Home yeah, video. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't too... So, I mean, and that was killing it, too. So they were probably the biggest thing for a very long time. And obviously, you know, when you guys saw them, that was at the height. To me, like I think Doctor Feelgood's their best album. Yeah, but
1: I think that was the first time I saw him live was when Tommy fell.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, that was the second time I saw him live. And, yeah, um, and what do you think of the the sh- like? Obviously, outside of falling, like the the stage show, their presence was amazing until that point. Man. It's I a mean, show you it's left yeah. with
1: the adrenaline rush. You wanted more. You know?
0: Did you feel like they captured it well in the movie, or well, do you think they actually pulled it back? Oh, well, oh, yeah, they,
1: I thought they should have showed a little more. Playing live and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I thought they pulled back on that a little bit, especially as they got bigger. There was a lot more Bohemian
1: Rhapsody of seeing the band play live. I I would have liked to seen a little more of that here.
0: Well, you also don't have a a moment like Bohemian Rhapsody where they tried to lead to Live Aid. Mm -hmm. There's no, to me, like a seminal Motley Crue moment, unless you guys seem Uh, to have one where uh, like they played a specific festival or something. Hundred percent.
2: And even though the Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, Live Aid was kind of Fabricated the way it went down. Freddie didn't know he was ill going into yes, Live yeah.
0: Aid, and but it made for a good story. Right. And I, well, we can get into it because there's articles all over the place about this movie in terms of, you know, I, like top 15 things that were incorrect about uh, the dirt. And you're so. right, there was
2: no crescendo. There's no all right, here's where we're going to end on the happy place. It's just, all right, we continued on. Yeah.
0: They basically just were like, we're going to get to the point where the band breaks up and gets back together. Like I I, uh, saw a a part of an interview with the director of this movie, which an interesting choice that way too. Uh, It's uh, Jeff Tremaine. (laughs) Jeff Tremaine. I mean, he does all the jackass stuff. He does Bad Grandpa. He does all the jackass movies. This is the first movie that he's done that's not in that style, that docu style that – you know, all those movies are like.
2: The Wild Wild Whites of West Virginia. Okay. Docustyle on a, a family from West Virginia. Yes. Tremaine and Johnny Knoxville did. If you haven't seen it, it is the most insane thing you'll ever see. Yeah. But that's a Tremaine film. Um, okay. Okay.
0: I mean, I like what he does. I like what they do. He's been in bed with the, you know, with those guys forever, like seven, eight years, and even goes back. I don't, I don't know if you, uh, they even thank Spike Jones on this one because Spike Jones used to hang with those guys in yeah. Johnny Knoxville forever. It was a hell of a crew, but you know, it's an interesting pick for this because when you think about it, it's like okay. It matches like he thought he was a perfect match and this is how he sold himself for the movie was that jackass and being embedded with those guys is basically the modern equivalent of being with like Motley Crue or like a hair level Mm. that like would just do the craziest shit all the time, party intensely and and go to town that he thought he can at least capture that or at least recognize that and put the best stuff Kind of makes you want
1: to take a DeLorean back to 1987 and start a band.
2: Holy shit, man. Very thin line between somebody like Steve-O and Tommy Lee.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. That energy, that <laughs> insanity. Yeah. <laughs> Always wanting to be, you know, in basically a Speedo and nothing else. And, you know, obviously Tommy Lee was more of a, a ladies' man than Steve-O, or at least I would hope so. The guy's kind of... Yeah,
2: but uh, I'm sure he did his fair share level. for being a, a star, I'm sure. Yeah. He, uh, oh,
0: no, please, everybody, but, you know, in some but level. But not quite as much as Tommy, I wouldn't think. Uh, no, God, I no, actually, especially in that I
1: kind of feel... They made Vince look like the horniest out of the out of the bunch.
0: Well, they made it
1: (laughs) the beginning part. Yeah. I mean, uh,
0: (laughs) they actually said as far as like things that were actually accurate in this movie, the uh, the conversation that Nikki has with Vince about like, how many women have you slept with since we got on tour? And he's like, three. He's like, no, not Not today. today." That's a great line. Yeah. It's (laughs) like, I guess that was like 100 percent factual. So, uh so hey, I mean, <laughs> it looks like it. The way they paint it in this movie is that all of them except Mick are are just constantly just bunch you know, of dudes that beat horse. death and get laid by accident. Yeah, the sex, accident, the <laughs> sex drug and rock and roll. And and it, I found it interesting. I mean, Mick obviously had the condition that yeah. he had. He also had. They make him seem so much older in this movie, and I understand the disease made him look older too. But he's maybe. I think what, six, six, seven years older than them, maybe?
2: They don't I mean, actually Tommy's I thought it was entertaining it that they didn't say how much older he's like, I'm older.
0: I'm the old guy. And yeah. they never really say how much older. He's supposed to be in his mid twenties maybe when the band started. I think he's twenty five when the band started. And Tommy the youngest. Right. Yeah. So he's supposed to look like a baby yeah. in comparison. And I thought Machine Gun Kelly did a
2: fantastic job of like yeah. capturing that innocence, that wide eyed like I've got the world by the balls. Yeah. I'm carefree. I think he did a great job of capturing it.
0: I think every single person they ended up casting went out for Nikki Six and ended up getting <laughs> casted as whatever else they wanted to do. Well, whoever played Ozzy was amazing. Yeah. That's an Australian actor who hasn't done a whole lot. Names... I gotta hear Tony Cavallo. Like he's he basically he did one Netflix movie. A lot of these you'll see uh, where guys did something else in the Netflix universe and then get casted in these things. Like uh, Machine Gun Kelly was just in Bird Box uh, in, in a small role on that, uh, and this guy is no different. He was in a rom com called When We First Met that was like Adam Devine, the comedian. It uh, was his like romantic comedy.
2: Vincent Punisher. Was right.
0: Well, that was um, that's the guy. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, Daniel Weber. He was not only in Punisher, but he was also played Lee Harvey Oswald in that uh, that JFK, like eleven. What's it called? Eleven twenty two sixty three on Hulu. That's supposed to be really good. Uh, so these guys, it, they have varying degrees of experience. Nobody's like a megastar One over the other, and I think that m- helps with the dynamic between them. That nobody's kind of big time in it. I guess. Because the guy who played Nikki Six, he only did like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Jupiter Ascending, like a bunch of like kind of like teen roles before this. Because he wasn't very old going into it. The biggest guy to me, the only person I really knew was uh, yeah. Ewan Rion from who plays Mick Mars. Hey, don't be Davidson. Oh well, yeah, but that's a smaller. I mean, as far as like mm-hmm. the band guys go, I was more enthused for that guy, and he's playing Mick Mars, who is kind of like the more scaled back. Role because he was Ramsey Bolton on Game of Thrones and that's one of the most devious psychotic characters in the last few years. So you know,
2: I was just looking up his sure, name. Sure, yeah. Um, I that was one of the only casting I didn't really care for because I don't feel you like really, you know, looking at him. I didn't think I was looking at McMorris. Right. You
0: know, I think they wanted face too big. You know, more than anything. I, yeah, that well, it's very tough to get yeah, McMarris thing. I mean, yeah, it's, I know it's it's hard to replicate something
2: that's going to look like an alien like but. death yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean
0: that's exactly how they characterize him he's they said he looked like an alien from exactly the jump and and yeah i didn't feel that either but i guess you know it's the closest they can pull off to that look i mean i thought his
2: acting was fine just looking at yes. it, though, like the aesthetics i didn't feel i was looking at McMar's like yeah. when i Going back to Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm looking at Freddie Mercury
1: on the screen. Yeah, right. it's, it's yeah. He was a better Freddie Mercury than the actual Freddie Mercury. <laughs> no. <yeah>. Oh, Blaster. <laughs> <you, buddy. laughs> I'll just. And, ignore and that whoever guy. they got to so, play Brian May, I think they just
2: cloned a young Brian May. Yeah, like, yeah like, no, I thought they did. I don't a know who that actor job. was, but he was Brian May. I
0: didn't have any doubts in my mind. I was looking at Brian May. Yeah. And the one thing, I don't know how you guys feel about this, because you keep bringing up Bohemian Rhapsody. And I think this movie has an interesting. Uh, Parallel to it Number one They're bringing back Biopics Like it's crazy Like these musician ones I mean you had The James Brown one Even a few years ago You had Bohemian Rhapsody You have this one You have the Elton John John Coming coming out out. And I think they have More in the pipeline It's interesting Because I don't know If you guys watch Walk Hard But Walk Hard Is basically just Making fun of Obviously more uh, Walk the line Than anything But it's making fun Of these (laughs) music Biopics That basically It was like they didn't make them for a long time because it got made fun of so hard in that movie, and now here we are where it's like cranking them out. Walk the line was phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah walk the line's really good. Ray was really good, yeah. and that was around that time. But <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. There was the a the point heart. that they just stopped,
2: and now, they, yeah, that's a great point to point that it was. Yeah, it was like right rock after. hard and nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, to be fair, I mean, who knows if they just didn't have anything in the pipeline? Who, You know, who's, who's interesting enough to make these stories? And I mean, this movie got delayed big time. Uh, I believe it was for a, almost a decade this movie didn't get made. It was supposed to be made by two other studios, like Paramount was involved. MTV Films was going to try to do something. And <laughs> I find this interesting. So that opening scene, that yeah. is absolutely... Bonkers, where he's going down the girl right in the front and then squirts all over the party. They actually, one CEO from one of the studios said that part has to be taken out or we're not making this movie. And Nikki dug his heels in and said, Nope, that's how we want this movie made. And that's how it didn't get made from one of the studios. That's That's Tommy,
2: that was Tommy's longtime girlfriend. And she was kind of the one that was punched in the face later, so that's. Oh, I didn't even put that together. Yeah, if that was um, the same person. It, I don't think in the in the movie it was, but in oh, in the book the it's the same it's in the same person. See, and she problem. was they extremely always... jealous, <laughs> but he didn't want to leave her because she could squirt, oh. <laughs> and I, like he thought it was fantastic, and he didn't want to leave her. She uh, right. she smashed their front window, of their their apartment, right. and you know beat him up plenty of times, yeah, yeah, yeah. and until he finally. Was done with it But that was Throughout the same girl Yeah But they They broke it off In the story
0: Oh wow So Her name As funny as sure. this
2: is Her name was Bowwinkle Because oh, right. She um She had the face Of a moose apparently <laughs> But she You're could right. do this And Tommy was like Wow this is
0: fantastic It's insane But the, the interesting thing The reason why I brought all this up uh, Because Like Bohemian Rhapsody The the movie is produced by the band it's about. Mm-hmm. And I know they have the source material for this. You were saying you read the book, Ron. Did you read the book as I well? I read the book though. So
1: all I got is a uh, VH1 behind the music,
0: which it. I thought <laughs> I, that was one of my favorite behind the musics. And I thought if they can just at least bring that to life, it seemed, you know, like that had enough on the, and they brought enough of those things. Like you had the Vince Neil car accident. Yep. You had the classic, thing that they played over and over where Nikki six is like, I woke up and the needle was still in my arm, that type of stuff. All those things were captured on some level. uh, So they did that right. But I find it troublesome when somebody in, like if somebody was making a movie about me, I'd be a little picky about what they're saying about me. Even if there's a source material that goes, Hey, you know, you, you said that it's in print. Here you go. Yeah. But they, they agreed when they got the Netflix deal, that they get first refute. Like if, if the script is not up to, they can kill it. Well, so so I think that's kind of problematic.
2: Well, they they broke the fourth wall a few times in it where but the, the, the part with Doc Basically, McGee. This isn't true. This didn't happen like this. Yeah. <laughs> so Which why? by the way,
0: to go back to the behind the music, Doc is a huge part of that story. Yeah. And I feel he gets sidelined hard in this movie.
2: Yeah. He absolutely does. And,
0: and I don't know if they talk about him more in the book, but I mean, he was apparently the. Uh, ran that band. It
2: was that big Moscow show with Bon Jovi and everything was the cause yeah, of their the, the downfall with Doc McGee. Yeah. Not what happened in the, uh, the yeah, movie.
0: Complete, yeah, none of that stuff with his mom. That, all that was made up. You know,
2: Mick looks at the camera and says, none of this happened.
0: Well, the thing, uh, they said that he never went in their apartment yeah. and he didn't punch that guy in yeah. the face and do any of that. And even the Pete Davidson meet, that. Was not true. He didn't it, instantly offer no, it them took, a record deal. He chased them for for months, uh, and then they were also taking deals from another record label at the time. So it was kind of like a dance. And even with
2: Vince, it went on much longer. Yeah, you know, no, they had was another a singer. backyard party that they met. No, they, there
0: was some other club that they saw, and even the 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 Tommy and Nikki Six beat. And Nikki he saw Tommy was. perform. Yeah, he saw him perform with Sweet Nineteen, and and. Obviously had some kind of relationship and was like, yeah, we should do this. Uh, I guess the place where they met was accurate. But it was like far along to where they knew that of each other, they they had a a good idea. So I think when you're telling this origin story, wouldn't you care about the details Uh, if it's your story? But I think everything just makes them either look cooler or seem like better guys. I took
2: it as... you have an hour and forty-five minutes to tell this story. Sure, if they did it as a four-part, five-part mini-series for Netflix, I you could, could have told yeah. the whole story. I, yeah. I see where you have to kind of embellish things and change things. Sure, even like with uh, with Nicky with his father, backhanding him for brushing his teeth wrong. Yeah, it was his stepfather that did it. He moved around the country a lot with his mother and his grandparents. They yes. didn't bring any of that into yeah. it. Yeah, um, he and did have the Tommy
0: m- Lee's relationship with his parents is kind of. Glossed. And he had a great relationship with his parents. He did, but I watched uh I one of the Motley crew documentaries has it where he left home. He didn't leave home because he was just like, I'm going to Hollywood or do whatever. He left because he got into a fist fight with his dad over the music. His dad wanted him to go into the military. He wanted him to go and and do all these other avenues. He thought he was wasting his life. That's not his dad comes in, he's like you know uh, A sitcom dad He's like Oh that seems rad Or whatever well,
1: His mom calls his girl A groupie <laughs> Yeah yeah
0: No and I don't know If his mom is like that Is she foreign She's way? Greek Okay yeah. Oh yeah he was born in Greece That's yeah. right That's true So I, I just thought They 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 seem to muddle A lot of things Of, of varying degrees It's not like the Bohemian Rhapsody thing Where they have that one Scene where it's like They're making a song That they hadn't made By that time period Like they had those kind of big fabrications. But I think the origin story stuff to make that not true either is problematic. You know, just
2: touch back on something we said about like sure. walk hard and, and the biopsy picks, yeah. that kind of got pushed aside and you know, a very guilty pleasure of mine is I love gangster rap. I love hardcore yeah. rap. And yeah, yeah. NWA actually I, I think they're ones that pushed it back into it being cool yeah, because Straight Compton was phenomenal yeah. and it was pretty damn accurate and it got people's eyes on this again, yeah. and I think it opened up the doors for a lot more bands telling their story.
0: Yeah, I mean, between that and Bohemian Rhapsody, I think maybe they got the green light finally because the industry started to see like, oh, we can, people are into this now, people can do it, because as opposed to Straight Outta Compton, I think the story here is similar, at least with Bohemian Rhapsody, as far as the, the real uh, polarizing reaction, Cause this seems to be like Bohemian Rhapsody, it was up for best picture. But if you look at the critics reviews, they're bad. Yeah. They're very, they hated that movie on a large scale. And, but the fans loved it and it made a huge amount of money and people just wanted to hear Queen on the big screen with a big sound system and, and get into a guy uh, That a well casted movie that captures the band.
2: Remy was perfect for that role.
0: Yeah, and and I think the same is going on here because if you look online, the critics hate this way more than Bohemian Rhapsody, and yet the fan ratings are like in the you know like a B rating. So it's it's It's, I think again they just want to see people who can capture the look, capture the feel, just play their songs. And and get it done.
1: I feel like when I look on social media and I see the negative reviews, it's a lot of younger people who weren't really yeah. They, who they don't didn't have see an the growth of this it. band from beginning to where to the end. You know, right? But uh, then I don't know. I think younger people just looking for, you know, th- everything's got to be better. You know, everything's got to be. Uh, you know, I wasn't looking yeah. for the cinematography syn- here. Right? No, like, no, no. You know, <laughs> I do have
2: a few guys on my social media that are of our age and. They kind of bagged on it, you know, well, this guy wasn't a good actor and this wasn't – it was an enjoyable story or it was embellished and, you know, they were th- look, yeah. just picking apart the negatives instead of saying, all right, just sit back and watch it and enjoy it. Yeah, you
0: know? I think that first half hour, 40 minutes where it's just the ramp up into what they're going to do, the origin story set, and you're just kind of rock and rolling, I think that is – that was fun. Who the hell can say that that's not fun or, or whatever? I mean, the one thing that I can see if you're younger, especially because we're now in a generation where, like, these dudes, we're in a Me Too movement. We're yeah, in there's a, no... Uh, oh, my God. These guys we are... We had a table right
1: here. <laughs> there wouldn't be a lady underneath. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's no blowjobs on this podcast. Uh,
0: I don't have the budget for that. But, you know, it's that's not what it's going on. Even, uh, I mean, like, we're... We're still in a we're in a generation I mean Nikki Six says it in an interview I say he's like, you know, maybe this movie should come out to have bands not be so fucking boring anymore. And I don't know, like Ron, you are still playing with nasty Disaster? Yes. Or? Uh we're And alcoholica too, or not?
2: And alcoholica. Okay. Um alcoholica we just have to fire a singer in from LA, huh? yeah. Sure. And um, you know, nasty, we touch on a lot of how should I say, not PC correct for these times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and our singer Herman Von Roll has the most vulgar lyrics. Where he's a family man, he's right. married. None of us, i hate to give a secret to you, None of his exploits are true. Sure, yeah, hey. yeah, it's rock but and it's roll, But it's embellishing what you could do in the '80s, and yeah, yeah. you know, it's 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 all tongue in cheek. And we've offended people, and then we've found people that thought it was hysterical. So, right. but you know, it's it's with the Me Too movement and everything, you can't do things now that you did then, like nasty disaster and garbage barge. We talk all the time, you know. We're, Good friends, both bands. We play together a lot. Yeah. And we're like, we couldn't start our bands today. No. There is no way. <laughs> yeah. If we weren't around for 20 years, we couldn't start our bands sure, today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When did you start that band? Because I'll tell you, I saw you guys, my brother's band, open for you guys at the Webster in the late 90s. So that's the first time I saw you guys. We,
2: we first started in Ian McRock's basement in East Haven, I would want to say 90... Three. Okay. Then I started going to wrestling school, and it was the night we practiced. So I left the band for a while, and they continued on. And a few years later, I came back, and uh, probably ninety seven. I came back. Okay. And been with them since. Yeah. And uh, I
0: saw you maybe like almost right after that, ninety eight, ninety nine. And
2: uh, it's funny, people are like, "Oh, you know, people had to see us for the first time." Oh, Steel Panther. Uh, no, we did this a lot longer than <laughs> Steel Panther. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're way ahead of that. Yeah
0: what's Steel Panther like in the last 10 years, maybe?
2: Uh, Mark even? Lopes, who sings for Ross the Boss now, yeah. And yeah. the first time he saw us, he's like, oh, I'm friends with Steel Panther. You know, you guys are doing him justice. So, no, 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 <laughs> no. We've been doing this, and we showed him how far we went back. And right. We, he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. You did it before they did.
0: Yeah. Did you guys uh, tour extensively at all?
2: No, just throughout locally. Alcohol actually toured more than. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Who would think sense. you'd get
2: paid to play somebody else's music, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, look at uh, bands like Badfish and uh, that yeah. are huge around here, or, uh, God, what's the Billy Joel one that plays nonstop? Big Shot. Big Shot. Yeah. Big Shot plays bigger venues and better shows than most of the people that I know of coming up in the... Better than we the, play, Andrew. Right? I know, well, that's for <laughs> sure. But, you know, uh, so when you went on tour... It, I, not that I want to out all your stories or anything, but I mean, this is basically that type of movie. It's metal on the well, road. What and Andrew's it's...
1: trying to ask you, did you ever blow a uh, Coke off of a stripper's ass? <laughs> yeah, a yeah, exactly. No, you <laughs> know, it's like, you know, that was the difference between bands like Motley Crue and Metallica.
2: Like they got that stuff and bands yeah. like Metallica really didn't. So right. we didn't, you know, and we were all, you know, except for, yeah, no, we were all in, you know, committed relationships. And, oh, at that time? Yeah. yeah so it was, uh, you know, it was and only myself and, our guitar player drank, so right. we'd go getting drunk and play darts. And Kai and Opus <laughs> would, you know, do whatever Kai and an Opus alcoholica? did. Yeah, There's so only two Ross, guys in the band. <laughs> yeah, drank yeah an alcoholica. We,
0: That's hilarious. When we first
2: started, uh, Kai Blackwood, our, our vocalist, would have O'Douls on stage, like um. in a and cups, just in case anybody grabbed it and drank it. Yeah. So it would, hey, it's alcohol. Yeah. It tastes like alcohol. Yeah, the only uh, Ross sure. and I would drink. <laughs> Opus isn't a drinker, and Kai isn't a drinker, and Opus and I would take care of that for the rest of them because we'd get our riders and we get you know cases of beer yeah. and we're like all right, it's up to us to kill this. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> no, people so a lot in of the green room, no, not, uh, no parties. Well, backstage. there's parties, but
2: nothing like that. There's people. Right. that, you How know,
1: about backstage wrestling? Or you got to keep that quiet.
2: I've seen crazier stuff back backstage wrestling than I've ever seen in music. Yeah, it's in, and
0: now you're in Northeast wrestling. Northeast
2: right. wrestling, nothing crazy back there. We're a family show. But when yeah. I first started with some like Renegade Promotions, yeah, yeah, I've seen you know. Can we swear on this oh yeah sorry. <laughs> I, I, yeah <laughs> i've seen guys guys fucking like uh w- w- what we call groupies in wrestling or ring yeah. rats <laughs> okay. and uh i'd see guys fucking ring rats in the middle of, i'm like i gotta get changed over here yeah. but you know it's <laughs> I've, I've been with my girl you know she puts up with my nonsense for
0: 21 years we've yeah. been together so uh you need a support system yeah man, with with this type of stuff like johnny and i are comics you know it's the same type of lifestyle you need someone who it's got your back and lets you do this silly yeah, crazy shit. They don't come to the shows
1: anymore because they, they've seen enough. Oh, but yeah, that's they dope. let us go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> show,
2: you know, my girl will come to like an alcoholic show because I've seen nasty enough. And right. if it's a big wrestling show locally, she'll come to it. Right. But you were talking about
0: no. She wants no. Nope. She's she's
2: <laughs> very reserved. She doesn't like the spotlight
0: on her. And yeah. Now you a, were in a committed relationship when you were going on the road. Yeah. Same person. Yeah. I mean that's wow. great. I mean because you were seeing in this movie like guys trying to have oh they were quote sure. unquote committed <laughs> relationships <laughs> and nobody was pulling that shit off no at all. I mean I I actually found it another lying scenario the Heather layer, uh thing. A it didn't happen the night Vince Neil mm. smashed his car and B uh, the only thing that's true about that is that he thought she he she was a uh, a different Heather, a Heather from the Fall guy, Heather Thomas, uh versus that—that that was true. But they met at like a show, and you know, it was like. How do we standard. never
1: get into Pam Anderson in this movie? Is it after?
0: That uh, is also. I have that written down, but yes, thank you. One of the things towards the end of the movie, like basically where the the Vince leaving era, all the way back to the the Vince coming back era, which was also. Fabricated that meat that they had in the bar and all that stuff never happened and didn't hit
2: Vince's solo career at all
0: no they didn't touch on that they basically made him be like this tortured guy in a bar for a decade (laughs) not that he had a successful
2: solo career and toured the world with a solo band with Steve Stevens and
0: yeah yeah, and obviously they didn't even give I think one speaking line to Vince's replacement when he was in oh, the no. band <laughs> in the movie either. So no, Krabby
2: didn't have a line at all. He looked like a like a serial killer creeper. Like <laughs> yeah, had this goofy like smile and his eyes were wide open.
0: Yeah, he's like I'm just happy to be here, guy. I
1: barely remember that album. Was, that, was it any good? It or? was a
2: decent. You know, the single was decent. Yeah. It wasn't a bad album if it wasn't was Molly Crew.
0: Poisoned Apples was the single. What was yeah, the single? On yeah, yeah. I think it was yeah. Poisoned Apple. Yeah. But yeah, so they kind of glossed. They they really kind of like pressed for time that part because they were kind of rushing to get the band back together. And they poor Robbie
2: thought he was going to stay in the band on second guitar when they got I know. Vince back, and
0: they kind of just pushed him out. Like, nah,
2: out. we don't need you. Yeah, but they I didn't touch to... on any of that. No, you know, like him getting kicked out of the band, Vince's solo tour. And I saw Vince's solo tour a few times, and his band was phenomenal.
0: Yeah, but I mean the the Tommy Lee Pam stuff, the sex tape, everything. Uh, Obviously, you could Was it Monsters of Mayhem? What's it? What was the group that Tommy was in when he May, left? Uh,
2: was it just Mayhem?
0: It was something. I thought it was something of Mayhem, uh, Monsters of Mayhem, or something like that. But you could be right. I I don't remember off the top of my head. But the which I was wasn't like too rap, thrilled about. Yeah, like rap rock stuff. It was like in that. I saw that. Period. It was yeah. awful.
2: Yeah, awful.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember it vaguely when it came out because I remember uh, they had videos for that on MTV when I i was a kid too but yeah, like so i
2: open for someone i can't remember who but it was i just remember
0: like oh yeah and then you know not they touching rapping, other, i don't need to see that. the other
2: two drummers for molly crew uh randy castillo who passed and yeah. the, the girl i can't remember her name but uh, ended, the chick from Holt yeah over on yeah yeah that tour nothing about nope. that and i saw them with her and she was really good
0: now again i can understand that a little bit like if they're pressed for time but they needed to almost figure out what is the end game here and how we can get to it and they picked something that the ending was, was a little flat white. yeah a little flat. yeah i mean it's a lot of these uh music buy- buyout picks basically once the fun stops it's a hard turn into you know them Losing their minds and and going to rehab and doing all this stuff like that's usually a hard turn in any of those. Mm-hmm. Like even Walk the Line, I like Walk the Line a lot, but it's like when he starts losing his mind, hooked on pills and and going crazy, it's not as fun as when he's on tour with yeah, you know yeah. Elvis, Elvis and, and, yeah. and yeah and and doing all the stuff with uh, June, June 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 Carter. March. Thank you. I mean, that stuff is way better. And Ray, same thing. Like, it's a great ride up until he's, like, you know, coked out of his mind and and going crazy there, too. But, you know, you need it. You need to see the fall. You need to see where it goes. Um, Even with
2: Bohemian Rhapsody, I kind of, you know, I understand why they ended it where they ended it. Yeah. I would have really loved to see them going to recording the last album and yeah. Freddie in the studio. Were, but then you're going to end it on a down note, not the high note from live. Whoever
1: has it though, is there going to be a sequel? Really? I, I don't know. There could only be this much. Or even There
2: can only be this much left. <laughs> well, <laughs> no.
0: I mean that movie. I mean Jesus Christ. Uh, how many more problems can you have between the the. The director they did hire uh, got caught in the Me Too thing and and, and is a reprehensible human being, supposedly, and, and all of these stories. And he's not there for the end of the shoot. And somehow this movie still gets made. Like, And now you want to do this experience all over again? Those people, outside of uh, Remy Malek, I mean, a paycheck's a paycheck. But, yeah. man, I don't know if I'm signing up to come back for that shit. But, I, I mean, this movie, it seemed like they had way more fun and, and, and a positive experience, it seems like. I know they even uh, learned songs and played for Motley Crue, like the actual the uh, actors who played the band. So, that seems like a much better time <laughs> than any of that.
2: One thing that got me was the... Uh, I'm, a, I'm a stickler to... Accuracy and the instruments were all wrong Like
0: <laughs> Oh know,
2: really when, you're first, when you first see McMars in the band He's playing an Epiphone Les Paul Epiphone Les Pauls weren't made at that time Oh really They had the Epiphone logo marked off But I could tell by the headstock It wasn't a Gibson It was an Epiphone Right And then when they went to the BC Rich endorsement For like Looks at Kill video They had the B, uh, cheap bolt on BC Riches that they weren't produced at that time Right yeah So I watched when they turned the headstock I could see it's bolted on Just little stuff I was like well, You could have got the right one Right <laughs> But I don't think anybody else is really gonna notice that.
0: No, obviously not. And I, you know, and and this is the thing though. But you guys are the guys that I want to know what you felt about this movie because this is your time period, your fans, it's fan fandom at the right time when you're growing up, and it's the formative years. And yeah, these guys we were rocking seem like, like guys. docking, man. Yeah, so. So, all right, uh, I guess we'll just bottom line it for the people. So, giant what did you like about this movie? When you saw the trailer, did you feel like everything matched up, all the energy, everything you felt about it? Did it carry on through?
1: The trailer, I didn't see. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I knew to watch it Friday, so we right. And the minute it started and all the... Every other word is the f bomb. I yes. loved it. Yeah. You know, just nudity everywhere. You don't see much nudity anymore. Yeah. It was like a movie in the '80s, like '80s movie. Yeah, we had all that nudity back then. In, Where did all the nudity go? You know, not,
0: not to sidetrack us too far, but it actually reminded, especially even the look and some of the tone. Did you see the movie Airheads? Oh yeah, With yeah, Adam yeah, yeah, Sandler yeah. And stuff. This is written by the guy who wrote Airheads. I was in
2: Airheads. Oh, I was shut an extra. The hell up. I swear to here. God, I was an extra in Airheads. Excellent. Yeah, which scene? During the white zombie scene. Uh, oh shit. yeah a good friend of mine from high school bernie eichels uh, right from high school graduation jumped in his car drove out to la so i'm going to be a makeup artist I had to work his way into it but yeah. i went out to visit him um about two years after he was there and we we're just driving around in his car and over the radio comes would you like to be in a movie a white zombie call us down the studio
0: Oh, that's hilarious. So pull
2: your car over right now call the studio and he's like i actually do some work for that studio so we go down there and uh Van pulls up, and three people in it, clipboards, and an older woman looks at me and says, you're perfect. I said, you're not so bad yourself. (laughs) They take us into this big holding area. Central casting for that role. (laughs) And uh, what happened was Rob came out and looked at the people they had for the white zombie scene. He's like, these people do not look like they'd be at our show. Right. Get people that look like they'd be at our show. And I was already a huge zombie fan by that time. And yeah. stole my name from them. Mm-hmm. Wasn't ro- I wasn't Ron Zombie then, but. Right. I um, was already a huge fan, saw so White Zombie numerous times. And uh, I actually had tickets to see him in L.A. with Anthrax oh, a couple awesome. days later. Nice. And uh, big holding area, you know, casting. And I'm watching guys put on, like, these 80s glitter wigs and, you know, <laughs> like, uh, like, I don't yeah, like something out of Valley own, Girl, too. like <laughs> yeah. with, with Nicholas Cage or Nicholas Coppola at the time. I mean, it look like people that were like auditioning for that. Right. Yeah. My friend Bernie said, they're going to pick you. I'm like, all right. And somebody's walking by with a clipboard and like you, you and you come with me. I said, what's going on? I'm like, you just got picked for a scene. Go. That's great. So I had a scene with Chris Farley. Excellent. And uh, the nipple ring right before that was as soon as he walks in the club. Oh, OK. I am much skinnier and have no goatee and I only have one tattoo. Oh, man. I so I look more like Slash than me. And uh, I, I'm supposed to be talking to a, a guy, right. and Farley walks in, and we just give him a dirty look as he walks by us. Yeah. Nice. And I'll um, have
0: to look for that, man. Yeah, I love that movie. And and the guy who wrote that movie wrote this movie, or at least was part of the tandem that wrote this movie. And I felt like it kind of had some of that feel, too. I it was fu- so uh, much fun, so much 80s fun. And yeah. My stupidity is,
2: as – the night it, or in the morning, yeah, Tom Arnold comes to pick up Chris Farley. I can only imagine what they did. <laughs> and yeah. as we're leaving, guy runs up to me at a clipboard and said, Do you want to come back tomorrow? I said, Well, is White Zombie still here? They said, No, their scene's done, but we have another scene we want to use you in. Right. I said, Okay. And I went to Venice Beach and boogie board it instead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not man. knowing that Farley not knowing it's Sandler, Bushimi, yeah, Frazier. I didn't know any of those guys were in the movie. Right. Lemmy, I didn't know anybody. Oh, you knew nothing about the movie. No, all I knew was Chris Farley was in it and White Zombie was in it. Wow. And oh, other man. than that
0: i mean to me that's enough for me to just follow around yeah there, I probably <laughs> and
2: my buddy bernie breaks my balls all the time he's like that was you in in hollywood right. and you blew it like, yeah, sure, all right.
0: i mean to be honest you were perfect for that and i all don't right. know uh where it would have gone from <laughs> there man but yeah that's a hell of a start but so john you were saying so you you love this movie yeah because i know been, you were excited when we, we were right, well, yeah, talking about yeah, it. that and you know
1: the hardcore icons here, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I gotta, you know, but uh, I was excited. I loved the, you know, I just, I watched the whole thing. I didn't stop. I didn't go to the bathroom or nothing. What killed me was Vince's daughter. That, oh, yeah. That, I, you know, come on. I, I had forgotten about that. I, I turned into it an instant the... bitch right there. I was like, Ugh. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I thought the kid was great. The kid, yeah. The kid, you know, especially yeah. she's like, daddy, don't let him cut me again. I'm trying that right. went through yeah. my soul because I have a five-year-old
0: daughter and I'm, I'm just thinking, yeah,
1: if that ever happened to me, I wouldn't know how to handle it. You
0: know and that scene I had totally forgotten about his daughter. I remembered about the car accident. As far as like, Vince yeah, I, I, story. Th- I forgot I all about it. Completely forgot yep. about that, and I, I just felt for the guy. I mean, that's a lot to take. He was already mm-hmm. doing the sober stuff, doing the rehab, did multiple rehabs. He's in between. He kills his friend, uh, you know. And they they purposely I don't know if you guys noticed that they basically gave razzle. Razzle, I'm sorry, you're right, uh, from Hanoi Rocks. Hanoi Rocks. Yeah. So they gave him a couple extra scenes because they wanted it to be more impactful yeah. when he died. But, man, that that's a heartbreaking story. And then, you know, I thought they did it well, too, where they kind of did the, the courtroom stuff that was kind of like the docu-footage, like the live trial stuff and kind of looped that into. I thought that was pretty cool. But... Yeah, that's a hard life, man. It's a hard turn it's in that a, movie. It's great to see those guys
1: on the screen when they were in their prime, even though it's you know it's yeah. the actors playing them. Because what I think of now of Vince Neil is him playing with Boy George at uh, Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I like to remember the good old days. You know, so this this brings me back to when rock and roll was fun.
0: Also not bloated, Vince Neil. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I caught it later stage, and he's been that way more than not
2: not blowing up vince neal where he skips every third word because he's catching his yeah. breath
0: i want yes. to remember
1: this now I, I believe i saw you at the time motley crew opened for kiss yes in Hartford. now yep. if i remember that wasn't too good of a show right for motley
2: i don't think it was that good of a show for vince but i thought the band was good, Very good uh, well what's
0: funny is how far and you could speak to this as a musician the, the rap on Nicky Six. Now, again, this story is largely Nicky Six. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I didn't know that he was the architect of the band going in. I didn't know that story. You know, but it's interesting that he wrote everything. Guy. Yeah. I mean, and he was uh, what, what was the band London that he sees that Tommy supposedly sees them. And then. Yeah. Goes afterwards. Back then, the rap on him was he didn't know how to play shit. That he was an awful musician. When they went and recorded the first
2: album, yeah, the the engineer called the record company and said, "This guy can't play bass." Yeah, I can't do this album.
0: Yeah, and yet there's none of that in this. Which again, problematic narrators, you know, unreliable narrators. When you're the band, are you going to include? That you sucked for a considerable Amount of time or that your your First record that they say all the time Sounds basically like a demo because they had No idea what they're doing and and all These things I mean it's interesting To see what they do kind of gloss you know, over as,
2: as bad as a bass player he was in the beginning He was that good a songwriter
0: Yeah that's the interesting thing that I think Does get <laughs> uh, In there is that he's Great at the hooks Especially he knows like You know like the shout at the devil stuff like just the repetitions and the things where he knows people are going to, like, the fans will get really into and that they can respond to. He was great at that.
2: And it's so odd that he wasn't that good a bass player. He's much better now, but you know, right. wasn't a good bass player in the beginning. And Tommy he was a phenomenal drummer phenomenal. still is a phenomenal yeah. drummer. How, like, you couldn't click with your drummer. And <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And yeah. Mick um, Mars is a terrific guitarist. He blows people out of the room. He's incredible, too.
1: Whatever happened to the guy they kicked out of the band uh, when Mick came in? The guy in that scene, which is also fabricated. (laughs) Don't remember how in the
2: book they talked about Mick joining the band. I don't think it quite went down. Mick
0: does call him a hippie when they kicked him out of the band. I guess that was accurate.
2: And when they kicked the original singer out of the band, he called him a hippie. Yeah, so yeah. Nick have, uh, obviously
0: has a problem with hippies. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah. which is funny because the older band, he look, he like some of the the footage from back then. He looks like he's in the fucking Allman Brothers. Like when he had the mustache. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a very interesting look to go from that to that because especially you know the way. From scene one, he looks exactly the same. That's one of my things with this movie too. It does—they didn't do a great job, makeup-wise or any of that stuff—to show either mixed aging, which you figured he would look like death, and yeah. obviously he did. He looked like a goddamn vampire towards the end. Because uh, what did they officially stop in 2015? I think something like that. I heard Years they Eve. had to sign a contract that they'd never go on tour. Again.
2: Oh my god! <laughs> but there's all. Like they said that they'll never tour again. They never said they would never record together again. They said well, they'd they would never perform together with again.
0: Yeah. Which st- Johnny, when he first came in, and we were talking. Oh, did you hear the Madonna? The awful. Oh, like, oh, a brutal. Cover. Brutal. Oh, God. And
2: yeah. it's kind of like Ozzy saying, "No more tours. I'm not going to tour anymore. But yeah. I'm not going to stop playing shows. Right. So you'll probably see another Motley Crue show. I heard the last show, and a few of us talked about actually going out there for their last show on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Heard it was pretty uneventful, and they just kind of. Oh, thank you. Good night. Right. No big bow at the end. No acknowledgement to the fans. No surprise set list. Yeah. um, Just the same set they played the night before. Mm. And thank you. Good night. Yeah.
0: I, I find it interesting, especially in how we're doing festivals now and where things went. They I totally had forgotten they had crew fest. For, for a, a year or two as well, like the, around the time when Ozfest was happening, that they wanted to kind of make... I don't uh, even or, remember that. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no. No, no. <laughs> I, if I didn't watch Couldn't multiple a documentaries <laughs> recently about them, just to kind of match things up, yeah, I totally didn't know that. But that would have been an interesting way to end it, too, where it's like, here's your career where you're like in a you know, you're killing roaches in your apartment with fucking flamethrowers or whatever and then you know, and you're on the lowest of lows and all these other things and then boom you have a whole festival named after you. Uh, that would be interesting, but I understand why they made the choices they did.
2: I remember one of the points in the 90s. I went to go see him at the Meadows with Begadeth opening. Oh, and really? There was literally walked walked there the day of the show, walked to the box office, and got third row because it, the
0: show sold so poorly. Wow. That's insane, especially for the both of them. I mean, it's a big venue, but still, I mean, it's two huge names what year did you say this was it was
2: mid 90s
0: yeah that's about right
2: and um you know metal and hard rock was kind of taking a nosedive at that time if you want Thanks Pearl Jam
0: well I was going to say they did the most <laughs> obvious shot in the history of biopics where yeah. it's like oh look there's a giant Pearl Border giant poster of Pearl Jam's 10 album like right outside it's like oh I guess this is when you lost all your yeah, favorites around yeah. that
2: time in you know metal and hard rock unless you were metallic or made and you weren't filling arenas yeah and they didn't fill an arena yeah
0: i mean and and that was probably was that when uh vince was gone or no no vince was with him okay wow yeah because i what year did did he leave because he was gone for quite some time
2: he was gone for what maybe three four years it wasn't a horrible long time
0: yeah, it was only one album. Right? Yeah, it
2: only, was only, one only one album. album but they I were actually recording the
0: time between albums with Vince and without was, I guess, much longer.
2: They were recording the al- uh, new album, Karabi, and they're like, "Well, come in, check this out, and right. if it's like the material, and yeah, with numerous lawyers, and yeah,
0: exactly." And that all those stories, all those things, this made it seem like these kumbaya moments that you do just for the movie, and there's so many of them that it's just kind of like. Well, what the hell is the truth? But that's more feel good
2: than than a bunch of lawyers sitting around a table. Yeah.
0: This is the TGIF version of fucking Motley (laughs) Crue, which is crazy because the movie starts with a fucking squirter. So it's like they they leave all the stuff that, you know, the dirt was known for, the book, uh, you know, all these Crazy ass stories, and even the Ozzy story. Ozzy to this day still Snorting doesn't the know that he did that. He doesn't <laughs> agree that he did do that. And even the licking the pit, like everything. Nikki pee, says everything's accurate. But didn't
2: Nikki snort pissed on ants after that?
0: It happened, the way, I guess, the way that it happened in the movie, where it was uh, Ozzy snorted the ants, then... And Nikki uh,
1: drank licked his own pee. Right, yeah. And then, then Ozzy licked Nicky's pee. pee. Yeah,
0: so I guess it did actually happen in that order. That was true, so it was says, now sober, Nicky 6. Because the interesting thing about The Dirt is that it's Neil Strauss, who, I don't know if you ever read The Game... Um, But that was a huge book and actually made the VH1 show, uh, God damn it. It was a reality show about picking up women. I thought it was a Triple H autobiography. (laughs) I know, like there's not enough things called The Game. There's a rapper called The Game. There's everything's called The Game. But this book was huge. It was basically a tale of this guy... Uh, who is kind of like a, a magician, but also a pick? It, oh, it was called the Pickup Artist. All right, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was a book about that guy and Neil Strauss hooking up with him, and then going on the road with him, and then just him teaching him how to pick up women and change his look and do all these things that ended up being the seeds of this show later on. But it was a huge book. And Neil Strauss writes for Rolling Stone and everything else. He's a big time journalist, and he's the one who authored the Dirt with the other guys. And the one thing that Nikki Six said is like, yeah, some of the stuff in the book is embellished. You know, Neil Strauss kind of took it in a different direction. But then I read another interview where Nikki's like, yeah, I was so fucked up on drugs at the time that I don't remember the interviews. So it's like, so which one is it? Are, <laughs> you, are you lying? to Neil because you're on drugs or are you telling the truth because you're on drugs and you don't give a shit is Neil making stuff up so when the book is already kind of unreliable and then you're making up shit about your own origin story it's hard to know which way is up with the Motley Crue story but I guess they wouldn't have it any other way because that's kind of yeah. how they were you know it's kind of like if they did a Metallica bi- <laughs> it's like who, whose side you and immediately it's like if you take an interview with dave mustaine it's one thing if you take an interview with the rest of the band i mean you have great like some kind of monster and all those documentaries are great like they could probably do enough but man whew, that would be unreliable as shit yeah. too so any of those bands at the time so bottom line Ron. so so johnny obviously you spoke more glowingly of it i i know that you said you ha- Caught a lot of inconsistencies with it, but I don't know so, if that ultimately soured you on the movie or not
2: when I first saw the trailer I Was almost turned off about it. Okay, because to me it felt like a costume party of Motley Crue <laughs> okay. it, it seemed like guys dressing up trying to be Motley Crue where again I have you know uh, Bohemian Rhapsody so far in my head because sure, I well, saw like it fairly bad. recently yeah. yeah where that felt like they were the band this right. felt like people that weren't the band. So I was almost taken out of it at first. Right. And then when I let that pass watching it, I, you know, like I said, when, when I'm looking at McMars, I don't, didn't feel it was McMars. Sure. But once I let that pass mm-hmm. and I watched the story, I thought it was a good story. Yeah. Um, I thought it was an enjoyable story. If you get past the inconsistencies, and, right. Um, Did it hold the embellishment? The
0: Cause you're the only one in this room who, wrote um, like I
2: said, there's, they they had to put some stories together like the squirter like the, the father stepfather so they had and I understand why they did that yeah. him right? stabbing his mom is one him saying true. his mother was one hundred and ten percent true he stabbed his mother yeah um, but I believe that he reconciled later with his mother which they didn't really touch in the book right. um yeah, in the movie his grandparents and all that yeah and they I'm didn't touch any word. of his grandparents and you know they really didn't talk to Mick a lot in the movie which no. Mick you know has quite a few chapters in the book yeah um i think it just keep me like the mystique of mick mars yeah you know and i see why they did that
0: think he would be more reliable than he would probably guy. be the most reliable yeah. <laughs> you know out of or vince during the sober years I guess. yeah or
2: vince during the sober years but they they didn't even touch that like vince was the first one shooting up the band he was shooting up coke oh, before really? nikki was shooting up heroin really yeah wow that that girl that like gave him the white leather pants and the, yeah. she taught him how to shoot up coke so he's like I'm technically the first one shooting up in the band oh wow so it just it was once I let that go and the, the bitterness right. go like alright this is wrong this is wrong I said well let me sit back and just watch this and right, and I, I got immersed in it and you know, I did like it I, you know, do I think there's inconsistencies yeah do I think that they didn't look exactly like like Nikki looked the same from the first scene to the last scene right you know
0: yeah which again what I was saying like they didn't really age these guys a whole no. lot. They kind of changed the haircuts a little bit over time, especially with Tommy yeah. to kind of make him look a little older like he, he was aging. But really they kept Mick exactly the same except just a little bit stiffer. Yeah. And then uh like you said minor changes. Vince pretty much stayed the same. Yeah. You know, they kind of dressed him a little bit older maybe, but there wasn't a lot done. To, to show A lot of times I didn't know What time period It was Exactly mm-hmm. Unless yeah, was a like... song Or a tour You know Kind of lent itself To <laughs> well, knowing Giant okay, Pearl Jam Poster yeah. yeah Exactly yeah. Some, some little kinda sign That showed me What it was Over past generation
2: Swine Just kind of like Right you, it, it But again You know that's nitpicking it's you have an hour and 45 minutes to tell
0: and a budget to a 30-year story yeah because for all this stuff where i was like oh i wish they did more with the live show i'm like i'm sure that ate up most of the budget between that and the car wreck that's a big huge scene that probably took up a lot of time and effort and stunt work uh so i mean there's a lot of things with that but you know know, they uh, didn't have the budget bohemian rhapsody had oh god no no and uh, you know rami malek's a a season pro like mr robot was a very big show and he's a very good actor wins words all the time yeah so i mean uh, that cast was a little deeper maybe the other bandmates obviously didn't have name but they kind of went with the exact look and feel these guys i I thought that
2: was brian may i did mm -hmm. not once think i wasn't looking at brian may when i'm looking at mick i'm like that's not mick mars yeah i thought like I, I said, thought he
0: did a pretty good job with Vince. And Vince was okay. Vince kind of looked like Jeff Jarrett. A little bit, yeah. <laughs>
2: I thought Machine Gun Kelly did I thought he an was amazing really job. Too, yeah. I thought the guy that played Nicky looked like a younger Nicky at first, but you could tell he was wearing a wig. Like you Right. Know, you know, the guy playing Brian May he looked like Brian May's hair. Yeah, it yeah. didn't look like he was wearing a wig.
0: Right, yeah. So, bottom line, I, I once you got past everything, you enjoyed. The once
2: movie. I once I stopped being bitter, yeah, I, <laughs> I uh, and I, I embraced it. I, I enjoyed it. I actually plan on watching again, and, and it inspired me to go read the book again because, yeah. you know, numerous concussions, wrestling for twenty two years, I kind of forget <laughs> things. True. So, I read the book when it came out. I I went and downloaded it on, uh, on 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 uh, Amazon, and yeah. I'm reading it again, and I'm I'm about you know seven chapters in. And just started it last night. Yeah. And I just couldn't put it down. And, and I think anybody that watches it and is a fan should go and read the book. Yeah. Now, what I had a hard time reading was the heroin diaries. Mm. I, I had to put it down because it was such a mess and so all over the place. Right. I just, I think I'll give it another chance, but I couldn't, you know, the dirt is much easier to read than the heroin diaries. Right.
0: Well, I think, again, because that's Neil Strauss. He's a great writer. Like, if you ever get a chance, the game is a. a Unreal story that kind of fits the tone okay. of what he probably did with the dirt, I would imagine, um, because it's so many just stories of hooking up with women and like getting addicted to drugs and this type of on the road lifestyle, just non stop, you know, fucking into drugs. So it's that same lifestyle. So it made a lot of sense that he did the you, dirt. You know, they,
2: they hit on all Nikki's drug habits, but they never hit on any of his relationships.
0: It's true. Which I find interesting. Uh, Donaterrico, right? He's the he's the lead. He guy, he is Motley Crue. He is yeah. Motley Crue, and he's the guy who is the one doing all these interviews yeah. for the story, and and he's the kind of spokesman for the band, and is a producer on the film. So it's like, I think maybe he did that on purpose. He was probably you know, or at least maybe that was when they give him the script. Maybe it's like ah, you don't need to you know the mother angle is way more interesting than this. Maybe. <laughs> And it, it
2: seems like he's the one that's doing all the PNR for it. Um, yeah. You know, I just listened to him on uh, Busted Open Radio on Sirius with Bubba Ray Dudley. And Bubba's a huge Molly Crew fan, so he he totally fanboyed out for him yeah. having him on there. But, you know, and it's he's doing all the press junkets. And, right. And he's doing all the... So I would think, you know, they would touch on, like, he had, you know, infamous relationships. Right. And they didn't you Know they just show him banging groupies, right? right doesn't yeah. show any of his relationships, yeah.
0: I guess the big thing for me, I wish they did more with Doc McGee because I mean, for these guys who are all coming in wayward in some way, out of control to a large extent. I actually thought to me, my favorite thing maybe in the whole movie was that Tommy Lee montage they w- waking did, waking up at five in the l- afternoon, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. waking handcuffed. up at five, he's cha- <laughs> you know, <laughs> handcuffed next yeah. to a woman, whatever, and then. Gets out, you know, does all his crazy shit during the day, like punching his uh, A&R and, and like, Doc punches him at the end. To put him to sleep, yeah. To put him to sleep. I mean, all that stuff was probably, it probably summarized exactly what they did in such a nice, the montage was a great idea. That was good. But, you know, I thought overall, I thought it was a little too troubled, a little too, like, it got so many things they glossed a lot of things that i couldn't get into it at times but when it's in i was in i I was i gotta say though that one thing though i
1: was kind of like well that's it yeah yeah. i thought
0: i mean because because this is the thing they're still alive uh you know they they toured they they just like i said they didn't have that bohemian rhapsody moment they didn't have and even johnny cash like for Walk the line that kind of ended where at least he was a family man and it's singularly focused. It's easier to do when it's one guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if yeah, they wanted to make this movie cuz they started with Nikki, if they wanted to end with Nikki, they could have shown him on a more triumphant level like getting sober again and 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 getting married and and being a better person maybe. I mean, they showed at times, but He's still kind of a dick,
1: and Tommy <laughs> falling from the uh, ceiling in New Haven College. Yeah, we, yeah, exactly. we definitely didn't see that scene. It Maybe it's a something. deleted scene. They'll put <laughs> it would have proved that all three of them beat death in some way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so at least you know Netflix well, is cheap mixed enough. Mick did. Mick's dead. mick been <laughs> dead for years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Netflix is cheap enough. Maybe it's this is the the make good for you guys getting yeah, yeah, ripped, yeah. ripped off back. We did get ripped off. Yeah, no period. refunds on those tickets. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate that's. I think we we covered it what do you guys got coming up obviously ron you're 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 still doing the wrestling you got uh you know nasty disaster and Alcoholica. so what do you have coming up uh where can the people find you
2: band wise a little bit of a hiatus um our singer for nasty recently had a child so he is concentrating being a family awesome man off. right now but uh <laughs> if something big comes up we have other friends from other bands right. that perform with us um on vocals so You'll probably see something over the summer. Alcoholica, we only fly our singer in from California for big shows now. Okay, cool. Um, he moved to California. He's doing well for himself out there. I will be at Northeast Wrestling <laughs> on April 6th in Danbury, Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> Where in Danbury is it? Uh Danbury PAL. It'll be myself and the thrill ride Jimmy Preston versus Wrecking Ball Ligurski and WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray,
0: Bubba Ray Dudley. I did a roast with uh, uh, Wrecking Ball. Oh, you should roast him a little more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's excellent. And where can people find you, social media wise or any of that stuff? On zombie on Facebook, run zombie thirty four at
2: Twitter and Instagram.
0: All right, Johnny, uh, extraordinaire, what
1: you got? This Saturday, I'm going to be at the uh, tag team roast battle. Yeah, I will so, be there too. You'll be there too. Who's your tag team partner?
0: Uh, Dave Hints.
1: Dave Hintz, right. I'll be tagging with uh, Christy Miller, the baddest chick in uh, oh, stand-up nice, comedy. Oh, nice, that's right. Yeah. Uh, chick is built like China, man. It's awesome.
0: And, of uh, which you did training with, right?
2: Absolutely trained with China and Prince Albert, who now trains all the wrestlers in NXT.
0: Oh, sweet. Awesome. Yeah.
1: So, so I'll be there Saturday. And uh, we got some stand-up gigs coming up. Check me out on Facebook, Johnny Benson. And uh, the Beer Man Beer Podcast, I co-host with Keg Kettles That's every right. week, every Monday. It drops on iTunes, Spotify, and uh, uh, Stitcher, I believe, oh, Spotify, CastBox. All your, wherever you could get a podcast so we cover comedy concerts and beer so if you want to come on the show drink beers with us come on anybody please Three come on through things man. we'll drink beers on also i'll be living the 80s dream i'll be going to the striper concert and uh <laughs> no, on uh, may 17th at Gramercy theater in new york so i'll be uh, oh, wow. rocking out for the lord there i'll be dressed up like a bumblebee in my yellow and black that's it
0: man I think if it wasn't for Beavis <laughs> and ButtHead, I would have never known who the Striper was. And if you see me and
1: Kate Kettles at a concert, and you say "Beer man, beer," we buy you beer.
0: So, what better excuse do you need? Thanks a lot, guys. You guys are great. Thank job. you, Andrew. Thank you so much. All right.